The Oklahoma Sooners coming in at number nine in the AP Top 25 poll. We'll have takeaways on that as well as what it looks like in the Big 12 and around the country on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what is up, man? What is going on? What is going on? Oklahoma, number nine, like you said, off the top in the Associated Press poll, which is, oh, by the way, identical to where Oklahoma was at in the USA Today Sports AFCA coaches poll. And you kind of look at the rest of the landscape in the Big 12 Conference, and what do we see? Oh, that's right. It's identical again for the Baylor Bears, who are at number 10 in both polls. And really, for all intents and purposes, I'm calling it identical for Oklahoma State. I know that technically they're one spot lower in the AP poll at number 12 than they are at number 11 in the uh, coaches poll, but really, John, I mean, kind of exactly what we saw in the coaches poll, at least for Oklahoma and the big 12 landscape. Yeah. And when you look at nine, 10 and 12 versus nine, 10 and 11, what this says to me is that the voters think of these teams as pretty much even, you know, there's going to be some polls where maybe Baylor was ranked ahead of Oklahoma. Others where Oklahoma state might've been ranked ahead. But for like you said, for all intents and purposes, like 9, 10, 11, 9, 10, 12, nobody really knows who is the favorite in this conference. And I think we've seen that throughout kind of the national landscape and you know, different publications, whether it's Athlon Sports or you know, ESPN or CBS Sports. I mean, there's not really a clear-cut favorite in the conference. I know, you know we kind of think Oklahoma is going to be the team to beat in the conference, but Given what Baylor's bringing back, what they did last year, Oklahoma State, similarly, what they did last year, what they're bringing back, I think it's safe to say that these three teams are going to be pretty well close together uh, throughout the, the 2022 season. I don't think we'll see much separation between the three until we get to late November, and we really have to start seeing that separation for so we know who's going to you know, represent the Big 12 in the Big 12 championship game. That's kind of where this you know, reads to me as I'm looking at the AP poll. Like, yeah, Oklahoma is ahead of Baylor. I saw a lot of you know back and forth, and I kind of engaged in it, in it a little bit on Twitter tonight or today. Oklahoma and Baylor, they're pretty much even. If you're going to get offended by Oklahoma being ahead of Baylor, I, I think you're overreacting to the poll a little bit. I don't think that Oklahoma is far and away above and better than Baylor. I'm not going to say that at all. I think where Baylor is definitively better than any team in the Big 12 is in the trenches, their offensive line, their defensive line. Nobody can really match up with that, and that's going to be a strength of theirs as they go through the season, at least on paper as we you know, look at things now in the middle of August in 2022. That being said, I think that Oklahoma getting the little bit of a bump is probably just a respect thing. But at the same time, like this is not a team that 
is breaking in a whole bunch of new people, like new to coaching, new assistants, things like that. Yes, they've got a whole new defensive staff, but all of those guys, they've been doing the work for years. Whether it's Ted Roof as the defensive coordinator, your defensive assistants, those guys have been position coaches for a very long time. Miguel Chavis is the only one that hasn't done it. And Brent Venables was very adamant about the fact that he believed that Miguel Chavis could do the job because he saw him do aspects of the job at Clemson. And so I'm not so concerned about all the turnover on the coaching staff that Oklahoma is undergoing, um, unlike maybe a Baylor who brings back their head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I think the concern for me as it pertains to Oklahoma is just kind of putting it all together. I feel like the talent's there. It's just a matter of are they going to have the continuity, the chemistry to bring it all together to actually make a difference on the football field, bring all these these really good pieces together and formulate the puzzle. I'm with you. I don't think there's a ton of difference between Oklahoma, between Baylor. I don't think there's much difference between Baylor and Oklahoma State, the way the that the voters are looking at this thing. I do get a little bit where if you're a Baylor fan, you're saying to yourself, are you kidding me? First of all, we, we beat Oklahoma last season. And second of all, we're the defending Big 12 champions. So you're not going to give us the respect going into, into this season. I understand the frustration there, you know, surface level with that. Ultimately, though, if Oklahoma was 10 and, and Baylor was 9, if this was flip-flopped, does it really mean that there's much difference between the two? Yeah, I mean, they've got Oklahoma ranked one spot in front of Baylor, but it's not as though Oklahoma's number four nationally and Baylor's 11th, right? I mean, there's the, the voters are telling you, hey, there's not much difference between these two teams. And, oh, by the way, there's not much difference between Oklahoma Baylor or Oklahoma State. And really, probably, like you said, it's just kind of defaulting to, hey, over the course of recent history and really the – Quarter century, quarter century history of the Big 12. OU wins this conference more times than not. So the safe preseason bet, John, even though last year was Baylor beating Oklahoma and winning the Big 12 conference ultimately, the safe preseason ranking and preseason bet is that, yeah, OU's going to win this league. I, I look at it like this. So Pitt wins the Pat or the ACC last year, and they come in 13 spots behind Clemson who's number four in the poll. So if you're Baylor and you're getting upset over one spot, like how, how upset are you? Are you, if you're pit and you're coming in 13 spots behind Clemson again, this is like, yes, we want to take into consideration recent history, but a lot of it's also projecting out as good as Baylor is going to be this year. Let's not, let's not forget that they lost their two best running backs, Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner, Abram Smith. He was the thing that was making that offense go. Like he, was the spark plug for that offense. Tyquan Thornton, he's in New England now. Like those are three key pieces off of your offense. There's a lot of consideration that Blake Shapin's going to be a better player. And he probably is going to be a better quarterback than Gary Bohannon. But we don't know that yet. Like we, we've seen a little bit out of Blake Shapin, but have we seen enough to warrant like this, uh, this certainty that he's a better quarterback than Gary Bohannon? I mean, it's, it's a lot of projection. And then you look at the defensive side of the football. They're bet they're two two of their best players, Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard. They're in the NFL now. Now that defensive front is still really good. It's legit. But the back seven, how's that going to look this year? And again, we're talking about a Baylor team that went from a two wins two years ago 
to 11 wins and winning the conference this year. Are, which team is this? Like, are they the two-win team or are they the 11-win team? I think a lot of people are making the assumption that they're the 11-win team, the 11-win Baylor Bears, or 12 wins. I can't remember how many wins they had. But are they potentially due for some regression to the mean? I mean, I don't think that's outrageous to consider that, you know, this is a team that went from pretty bad to really good in a big jump. Are they going to be able to sustain that? That's the question. I think that's that's a worthwhile question. Whereas Oklahoma, whether it's Bob Stoops or Lincoln Riley or what's coming up in Brent Venables, they've got a long track record of success in the Big 12 Conference. Are there years where they were down? Absolutely. Could this be one of them? Sure. But again, if you're talking about the safe bet, the easy money, it's on Oklahoma to win the Big 12. Does that mean they're going to do it? Not necessarily. I think they will. I think they have the the team to do it, the coaching staff to do it. But again, we're not talking about a team that was a really, really bad team last year and had all this turnover and are trying to be a good team. They were pretty good, not as good as they needed to be. And now they've got some really good pieces. You know, we talked about the 40% transfer portal additions or 40% of the team that didn't play for Oklahoma last year. I mean, you're talking about some really, really good players that they brought in to fill some needs on the offense and the defense. You know, meanwhile, Oklahoma State, they kind of got to feel like, okay, they're ranked behind both Oklahoma and Baylor. And yet, because of everything that Oklahoma State is replacing defensively, including its defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles, Oklahoma State's got to be kind of sitting there like, you know what, this is, we're ranked behind those two, but that kind of makes sense. And, there's actually quite a bit of respect for us going into this season. So it's, you know, Oklahoma state fans, I think probably feel quite a bit differently than maybe even Baylor fans do with this AP uh, preseason poll there and where they were in the coaches poll. I I get the impression Oklahoma state fans are kind of like, okay, well, this is pretty nice where we're ranked in the preseason after everything that maybe they've lost. The other really interesting piece of this for big 12 uh, fans, John is obviously Texas who, oh, by the way, remember, had a first-place vote by one of the coaches out there. We don't know who, but keep keep in mind, Texas had a first-place vote, John. Have we ever had a team that had a first-place vote in the coaches' poll and then turn around flip the equation? John, they're not ranked. They're not ranked in the preseason A people. They had a first-place vote in one, and they're unranked. In the other pool. I mean, that is an amazing distinction in disparity for Texas. And I think the AP poll got it more right than the coaches poll did. Uh, with all due respect to USA Today, who employs me and you, like that the, that coach that voted Texas number one, I mean, that's a remove your vote offense because there's no reason that you should be voting for Texas, even though they might be really good this year. They might put a team together that could contend for the Big 12 title. You're, there's no reason that you vote them over Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State. You can't, in good conscience, do that unless you're Nick Saban and you're trying to boast, you know, Texas up so that you get a better a better win uh, here in a few weeks. But there's no reason that Texas could be there. Unranked makes sense to me. You're coming, you know, this is a team that has tradition over the last decade has disappointed for m- most of those seasons coming off of a five and seven year in which you lost to Kansas, it makes sense that you're unranked. Now you're right. They're right on the outside, you know, of the others receiving votes. They're not too far off from being in the AP top 25, 
but yeah, it, it makes more sense than them receiving a vote and you know being in the top twenty of the AP top twenty-five. So you know, there's a few other notes on this. You know, the SEC leads the way with six teams in the top twenty-five. Surprisingly, the ACC comes in with five: Clemson, Pitt, Wake Forest, NC State, and Miami. One more team than the Big Ten had with just four, and then the Big Twelve comes in with just three teams in the AP top 25. Josh, any other takeaways on this that you want to mention before we uh, talk about bet online? Not a ton of surprises. I mean, the again, the top three is the top three that we would expect in Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia in that order. I do, like, the more I think about it, I kind of just and, – and I, I don't know that there's anybody else that I feel – really gung-ho or super strong about it, number four. But I do kind of feel like we're just sort of giving Clemson a pass for what happened last year in 2021 with really, John, I mean, outside of, okay, yeah, we've seen Dabo Sweeney do this before. Look, if we're going to talk about the things that Oklahoma is replacing, are you kidding me? Clemson is replacing its defensive coordinator. It's replacing its offensive coordinator. And, oh, by the way, the quarterback play wasn't all that great for Clemson last season. So there's reasons to think that Clemson at number four is way too high, but generally speaking, I mean, kind of about what we expected. And I think number nine is a good spot for OU. Yeah. I have no issues with Oklahoma at number nine. I would have no issues with them at 15 or 20. I mean, to me, the preseason polls, I mean, they're, they're great for content, but ultimately what's going to matter is what you do on the field. And if they go into the season and they win their games, they're going to put themselves in a position to contend for the Big 12 title and a college football playoff berth. And we talked about it on yesterday's episode. Could Oklahoma make a run at getting back into the college football playoff for the first time in, in two seasons? And we both agreed that, yes, they could make that run. Where you start kind of matters a little bit. It gets you a bit of a, an edge, but it's about how you finish. I mean, this was a team that was undefeated. Then they lost two of their last three games to finish Big 12 play and – they were well outside the college football playoff discussion after that loss to Baylor. It really took a hit. And so go win your games. That's going to be the thing that matters. And a lot of it's going to come down to the quarterback play in the Big 12. And we're going to talk about uh, the smoking musket. They came out with their quarterback tiers for the 2022 season. But first, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. And thank you for making Lockdown Sooners your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out another great Lockdown podcast, whether it's the Lockdown Cowboys podcast, which is one of my favorites to listen to when I'm not uh, listening to some other thing out there for entertainment purposes. I'm listening to Locked On Cowboys because I'm a big Cowboys fan. You got Locked On Chiefs, Locked On Thunder, Locked On Cardinals, covering the St. Louis Cardinals. So we got you covered in any professional sport that you can think of here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you go check it out and subscribe to the, our show on YouTube as well. We're well within you know 100 subscribers of 2,500 trying to get to that point before the start of the 2022 season. So make sure you hit the subscribe button on that. Now, Josh, Smoking Musket, a subsidiary of SB Nation, came out with their quarterback tiers today. And, you know, it's interesting. Whenever you rank quarterbacks um, in college football, you never quite know what's going to be 
considered more highly than others. Like in the Big 12 in particular, like this is a conference that's very close. It's very tight. There are not definitive favorites. I think we look at certain positions and certain players like Dylan Gabriel, and we consider him one of the better quarterback prospects and quarterback options in the Big 12 this year. Uh, But the Smoky Musket, you know, they broke down into tiers and they had one quarterback in tier one. And that was Spencer Sanders, the reigning Big 12 you know, first-team quarterback from 2021. He was the preseason quarterback selection for the Big 12. Thoughts on that? Like, is Spencer Sanders in a tier above himself? Now, they broke it down like the deep state, and I'm guessing this is like the guy who's been around. He's the experienced one. And then in tier two, it's impact transfers. Is it weird that – Spencer Sanders is kind of up there in his own tier. Defending Big 12 quarterback of the year, right? Obviously, terrific bowl performance versus Notre Dame, but that was the exception and not the rule with Spencer Sanders. I like Spencer Sanders. I've always been a pretty big proponent of the play of Spencer Sanders, or at least what not not necessarily the play each and every week, but what the ceiling I thought could be with Spencer Sanders. I like the dual threat capability that he had. Uh, I was impressed from day one. What, what was the first game that he played? Was it against Oregon State? Sounds right. Way, way back when in terms of uh, his first his first start at Oklahoma State. I remember that first night being kind of taken aback, like, wow, okay, Oklahoma State might have themselves a really talented quarterback. But the consistency has rarely been there for Spencer Sanders and turnovers have been a problem. So for me, yeah, he's he's the defending, you know, reigning Big 12 quarterback of the year, really because I don't know that there was just a slam dunk choice a season ago. I don't know that most years Spencer Sanders would have been, based on last season, the Big 12 quarterback of the year. He probably would not have been most years. And yet, okay, so he was and he comes back and there's some turnover across the board in the rest of the Big 12. I just don't know that I feel strongly enough about Spencer Sanders to have him far and away head and shoulders above everybody else in a tier of his own. I would say probably Dylan Gabriel deserves to be in that tier with Spencer Sanders. Who else would, would be in that top tier? Because the rest of it, okay, like Quinn Ewers, if you're mixing him in, yeah, you can't have him in tier one because we haven't seen any, any of Quinn Ewers. The rest of the quarterbacks in the Big 12, I'm thinking Max Duggan, yeah, I mean, he's going to be a ways down the board for me. Who is there anybody else? I mean, Shapin, I like the potential of Blake Shapin, but guess what? Gary Bohannon was the starting quarterback at Baylor a season ago, so I need to see a lot more out of Blake Shapin before I'm ready to put him in Tier 1. I mean, is there anybody I'm missing? Adrian Martinez was, I mean, again, an up-and-down guy at Nebraska, so to me it would kind of probably be Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel in that top tier by themselves, and then a bunch of other guys in tiers two and three and beyond. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, you know, I look at a guy like Adrian Martinez who's been getting a ton of hype this offseason. We talked about him last week, and, I mean, he had 42 fumbles in 38 games and 30 interceptions. Again, not all of those fumbles lost, according to Pro Football Focus, but, I mean, is he potentially a worse version of Spencer Sanders? And he's kind of in that tier two, according to the Smoking Musket, Musket, along with JT Daniels and Dylan Gabriel, as they talk about impact transfers. I do. I think Dylan Gabriel has to be up there with Spencer Sanders. You know, this is what um, the writer, his name is Jordan Pinto, had to say about it. He said, I don't think of Sanders as an elite talent, but I do consider him an elite game manager. So 
if he's an elite game manager, which I, I kind of disagree with that because the biggest yeah, I like issue, his talent more than I like his game managing, I think. Yeah, because the biggest issue that faced Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship was his inability to manage the game in that first half where he threw four interceptions. Your game managers don't do that. Your game managers don't make mistakes. Spencer Sanders, the knock against him is that he makes a lot of mistakes. He, he and Adrian Martinez are kind of cut from that same turnover cloth. A guy like Dylan Gabriel, he doesn't turn the ball over that much. He throws the ball a lot. He'll get push the ball downfield. He might not be a game manager, but you're going to get higher highs out of a guy like that. And he's not going to turn over the ball near as much as some of these other guys in the Big 12. And so it's it's a weird kind of tier structure for me. And I think Spencer Sanders, if if they're able to get out of him what they what he showed in the Oklahoma game uh, in the second half of the Big 12 championship and against Notre Dame, then yeah, I mean, he might be the best quarterback in the Big 12, but he's got to do it every single week. He can't do it like for two or three games and then have you know, several turnovers in a game and Oklahoma state loses or barely, you know, squeaks by, by the skin of their teeth and then go on another run. He, he needs to be more consistent than that. And I think that's the issue that most of us have. And probably even Oklahoma state fans have with Spencer Sanders is the inconsistencies. I think what you get from Dylan Gabriel is a little, a little bit more consistent floor out of him. You know, Spencer Sanders had a great game against Notre Dame. I don't know if Dylan Gabriel can reach that same high but you're going to have a, a higher floor with Gabriel than you will with anybody else in the big 12. Now we might get to the point where we're saying, okay, Quinn yours or Blake Shapin, you're the best quarterback in the big 12. But like you mentioned, like they're untested. They haven't proven it over the course of a season. I mean, Quinn yours really hasn't played much college football at all. Blake Shapin. I mean, he's got a couple games under his belt, albeit one was the big 12 championship game where he played really, really well in the first half was dinged up in the second half and didn't play as well, but again, dinged up. If those two guys are able to have that consistency and play really, really well at a high level over the course of the season, they could very much be in consideration for best quarterback in the Big 12. But as things stand right now, it's hard for me to consider Spencer Sanders a tier above a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who's got a ton of production against pretty good competition in the AAC. I mean, it's not the power five. But the only thing that separates the Power Fry from the American Athletic Conference, to be honest, is politics. Because at one point in time, Cincinnati, they were in the Big East. The Big East was considered a power conference. You know, Houston, way back when, wasn't part of the Southwest Conference. Like, there's not much, you know, there's not much separating these teams from being in the Power Five. And again, three of those teams, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, are going to be a part of the Power Five here in, in the next couple of years. So, I like Dylan Gabriel's floor better than probably anybody in the Big 12, but I think he also potentially has a higher ceiling in Jeff Levy's offense with the talented pass catchers that Oklahoma has this season. I think I have less of a problem with Spencer Sanders being alone up top in a tier of his own than I do Dylan Gabriel being grouped with, you know, JT Daniels and all these other, you know, all, all these other transfer quarterbacks that are right there. It's look, Dylan Gabriel's got a lot more proven production than a bunch of those guys right there. I think of somebody like JT Daniels, and I know that injuries along the way have been a, a derailer for JT Daniels, but look, I mean, this is somebody that what started out at USC and really couldn't totally crack it there. And then winds up at Georgia and all of a sudden, you know, they win a national championship with a different quarterback 
And now all of a sudden I'm supposed to believe that his lack of production equates to the same tier as Dylan Gabriel. I'm sorry. I just can't go there with that. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at too. Like you haven't done much consistently to be able to say you're one of the top two tiers of quarterback plays. And we've, we, again, we talked about Adrian Martinez a ton last week, just the turnover of the, you know, the turnover issues. I think if you turn the ball over as much as he does, it's hard for me to, to consider you one of the top four quarterbacks in the big 12. Like I'd, I'd have a, I'd prefer to put Quinn Ewers sight unseen above Adrian Martinez, because that's how much I hate quarterbacks that turn the ball over. I, it's why I do not like Eli Manning. Like you can give him his two Super Bowl rings. I will contend until the day I die that he is not a Hall of Famer because of all the turnovers. You cannot average an interception per game for your career in the most pass happy era of NFL football and be a Hall of Famer. But that's an aside. Adrian Martinez, you can't turn the ball over as much as he turns the ball over and expect me to believe that all of a sudden you're going to turn it around. Quarterbacks that turn the ball over. They stay turning the ball over. Look at a guy like Jameis Winston. Threw a ton of interceptions at Florida State, even though they won the national championship. Like I think he threw like 17 or 18 interceptions that year. What does he do when he gets to the NFL? He still throws a ton of interceptions. He had one year where he had 30 interceptions in a season. So when you turn the ball over as a quarterback, I believe that you're going to continue to turn the, court, the ball over until you prove to me otherwise. Because quarterbacks that turn the ball over, they stay turning the court turning the ball over now i don't think necessarily you know dylan gabriel is far and away the best quarterback in the big 12 but i do believe he does need to be in that top tier with spencer sanders because at worst dylan gabriel is a really good game manager in his own right yeah i think so too i mean eight thousand passing yards and 70 passing touchdowns in his career indicate that Look, he's one of the best quarterbacks right now, statistically, production-wise, in the Big 12. And, you know, to me, it's just – it's results-driven. And right now, you know, there's two guys in the Big 12 that have the most results. And those two individuals are Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel. And then there's kind of everybody else. And there's a lot of talent with everybody else, but there's a lot of – I still got to see it from everybody else. So that's sort of how I would break down a lot of the tiers. You know, I'd have to – I'd have to sit and think a little bit harder about how I would map out beyond that first tier, which I think is Sanders and Gabriel. Then it's kind of, kind of everybody else after that. Yeah. I mean, the only quarterback that I don't have, you know, much of a strong feeling on right now is like Hunter Deckers because we just haven't seen enough of him. We haven't seen him throw the ball very much. I mean, he's a good runner. He's a very athletic player. And so a lot of it's just an unknown with him, like Jalen Daniels at Kansas. I think I'm pretty optimistic on him. I think he played really, really well down the stretch in the final three games for Kansas. And it, that's a good thing. Like having some like optimism about a Kansas quarterback. How long has it been since we've had that? It's been forever. Yeah. I mean, 15 years, 20 years or 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. I mean, been a long, long time. Uh, and then you look down at, at Texas tech, you know, I like Donovan Smith as a quarterback, People keep talking about Tyler Shuck. I mean, for my money, give it to Donovan Smith. That dude played really well, well down the stretch as well. Down in, in Fort Worth with Max Dungan and, and uh, Chandler Morris, it's really hard to know what you're going to get out of either of those guys. Like Chandler Morris had a great game against Baylor, pulled off the upset, 
uh, and but was also up and down in other other situations. Max Duggan's been up and down his whole career at TCU. And then, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the other guys, but yeah, I just don't, I don't know if there's a great uh, feel for many of the, of the other quarterbacks in the big 12, aside from a Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel. And I mean, for my money, Adrian Martinez, I feel like we know what Adrian Martinez is at this point. He's played yeah, a lot of college you know football. That he's bad, right? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think so. Like, I mean, I think I know that he's got, the capability of making a lot of great plays, but he's also got the capability of making a lot of plays that are going to hurt you. If that yeah, they lose games. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, we've got enough of a sample size from him that we should know that. Now, Chris Kleiman, he could be the miracle worker that all of a sudden gets through to Adrian Martinez is the necessity of taking care of the football. But again, until I see it, I'm not going to be there yet. I'm not going to be there with, even, you know, I know Joe, your brother, like Joey's really high on Kansas State. I can't get there until I see Adrian Martinez protect the football better. Um, and I know this became locked on Adrian Martinez, and I apologize for that. Uh, but that's just how much I uh, value taking care of the football. So if you've got a son who is training to be a quarterback, make sure you teach him the importance of taking care of the football. You don't give possessions away. The football is the most important thing. And it's like uh, Herman Boone said in Remember the Titans, what does the blocking have to do with you holding on to the football when he's talking to Petey after he fumbles the ball? So there's your Remember the Titans reference. Josh, anything else you want to touch on today before we wrap it up? Locked on Smoking Musket. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, big shout out to Smoking Musket, part of the SB Nation and uh, Jordan P- uh, Patino there um, for that article. I-, I love rankings. Like, that's one of my favorite things to discuss because um, sorry, Jordan Pinto, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Arnold, he's a DFW radio personality for a long time, back to the eighties. He always talked about how people love lists. Well, I'm one of those people that absolutely love lists and love to debate the finer points of lists. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more lists over the course of the off season, the preseason and during the season at times when it's deemed appropriate, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks for tuning in and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.